the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's going on, y'all? I'm Bud Elliott. That's Cooper Patagna. This is the Cover 3 Podcast, a special recruiting stuff you need to know episode. We know a lot of you guys slack. We, we do know you guys may not pay attention to recruiting like you should throughout the year, but signing day is coming soon. Coop, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate it, man. That is the uh, first time I've seen that promo before. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm guessing the J-A-G plus, what is that, just a guy, right? Football terms? So, yeah, so it's just a guy, but like last year we invented JAG plus to, to signify <laughs> like, okay, He's not just like totally replaceable if a guy gets, you know, gets injured like versus the backup type thing, but he's also not like a difference maker. So like a Jag plus is, is just, you know, a guy like coaches like he's not special, but we also don't really want to lose. Him, you know, that is like the worst thing I think anybody can say, like a coach and evaluation process. You whip out the Jag. It's over, man. You better stand by it. Guy better not be able to play at all. The other one, my favorite is. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. You whip that one out. You know you're serious, dude. <laughs> oh, for, for sure. That That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. The, the graphics team's doing a great job. Producer Jordan, you know, feed him everything is, is fantastic. Uh, so, trying to do these most every week now. Uh, we started out every other week. Signing day is coming up. If you, did, if you miss these, we'll probably put them in a playlist for you, maybe on Spotify. Week one, we talked sort of race for the number one class. Uh, week two, we talked a lot of interesting happenings in the state of Florida. Uh, and this week, I want to talk about some members of one of the best conferences in the country, both old and new, and that's the Big Ten uh, with, with the coming expansion. A lot of teams recruiting extremely well in this conference. All right, dealer's choice. You want to start Ohio State? You want to start Oregon? I really don't want to do the Michigan talk here. Like, Michigan has a good class. We could probably – I'd rather talk Michigan like a week or two once we get a little more clarity on what may or may not happen there. In Ann Arbor, a lot of interesting things happening up there. Uh, And according to Michigan fans, happening elsewhere, too. So uh, I guess we'll see. But where where do you want to start? You want to start Ohio State or Oregon? Let's start Buckeyes. Okay. So Ohio State currently sitting with the number two class in the country right now. I I mean, dude, number one player in the country, Jeremiah Smith. Do you have a comp that you love for him? It's kind of rare that a player is number one in the country at receiver. 
It is rare. I don't know if there is a clean comp for him. You know, Andrew talks about Calvin Johnson, um, which I think it, it, it's fascinating. This has kind of been Andrew's kind of pony from the beginning, the guy that he wanted to bet on. He loves Jeremiah Smith. He's been around him for a really long time. He's followed his entire career at Chaminade Madonna and kind of see him uh, really develop. So uh, I don't know if there's a player that jumps out. I mean, I think the biggest thing about Jeremiah Smith is he's clean, checks every box, right? And we talk about checking boxes. Not only is it everything that you're doing off the field in terms of verified measurables, prototype at the position, what he can offer there, but it's hard to find guys, especially at the receiver position, that are able to play as fast as they process the game. That's a receiver almost sometimes it's, it's a proactive position, but in terms of just the field, the intuition, being able to set up leverage uh, at every level of the field with his route running ability, his ability to attack the football, his run after a catch ability is something that we don't talk about enough because he's got such a physical frame at the point of attack. He can just beat you at every level in a lot of different ways. Um, So he is truly special. I think, you know, we went back and forth with Riola uh, in terms of the number one spot, and it became more of, I think, positional value with Riola. We like Riola a lot. We obviously love the physical gifts that he possesses. But with Jeremiah Smith, it felt like a guy, okay, if he doesn't end up hitting at the level that we think he would hit at, we still think the floor is probably like conservatively a top 12 to 15 talent. I mean, that's what we think of Jeremiah Smith. So you think of all the receivers that they've had uh, at Ohio State, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, Najigba, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, I don't know if there is one that I was more excited about coming out than I am about Jeremiah Smith. And that says a lot. I mean, all those guys are really good players that I feel went to Columbus, played under Brian Hartline, were developed, and then became day one NFL draft choices. But Jeremiah Smith, just in terms of the clay, what he offers, I mean, I think he's going to be able to step in day one. We thought that about Carnell Tate. They're very different players. But just physically, he's a different cat. And then you take all the the, the physical stuff that you love, and then you marry that up with, all right, this is a guy that knows how to play the game at an extremely high level as well. So love the tangibles, love the intangibles. He's just kind of the the, the perfect combination of everything that you're looking for in the evaluation process. And then you want to talk about fit. I mean, there's no better place for him to go. So I, I'm, I'm super excited. I think he's going to be a day one. Just you're going to know his name in college football. That's going to be a guy that you're going to have to highlight. He, he just sometimes you see these prospects in person. And I've, I've seen Jeremiah like five or six times in person now within like the last year. And you're just your your brain just processes like, okay, a guy that big should not move that fast. It just doesn't look right. And those like doesn't look right, guys, those are kind of the easy ones. I was like, oh, yeah, like Chris Jones. I remember when we got him down there at the Under Armour game in Orlando. I had not seen him in person. And we finally was like, oh, my God, this guy might really be as good as Kim DJ is. You know, just whoa. It's rare to see the what you're talking about, like Hakeem Williams last year. You kind of get around him a little bit and you kind of see him physically and you're like, okay, there's a little bit different difference of a presence. But even Hakeem Williams was a guy that you knew was going to be a little bit more of a slower burn, right? Like in terms of that adjustment period to Saturdays, this was going to be a guy that was going to need a little bit of time. That with Jeremiah Smith, I I would be it it doesn't exist. I, I, I really would be shocked if he is not a day one factor in Ohio State, I mean, I do think this is a guy that is just 
not only, like I said, physically equipped, but I think the way that he plays the game, he has a certain maturity about him, regardless of position, that is really hard to find. I really do think that if if he could play for like if Ohio State makes the playoff, I think he would like be used in a playoff game. I mean, like not <laughs> not 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 featured, but like I think he would be on the field. He, he's, I agree. I think he's somebody who needs to come in pretty much immediately and, and play. I was down there shooting. He was you know he's playing seven on for Express, and there was a corner who's you know, pretty highly pretty highly rated corner uh, for us. A little bit lower now than he was at the time, but. They weren't really throwing Jeremiah the ball. They were trying to spread it around, get and get other guys some love. And I was trying to shoot one of the TikToks for us. And I went to the rest. He was like, "Hey, can you can you guys just force feed Jeremiah?" And he's like, "Well, they're kind of double covering him. Let's just see." Boom! The entire drive, just Jeremiah. And it, it was it was a variety of skills, right? It was just that that instant, like if you drive a Tesla, you know, it's just like that that kind of acceleration. And then he like the ability to stop guys that big shouldn't change direction like that. Like that's not normal. And then the one that the kid throws a terrible pass, and he just like snags it one-handed completely off balance. Like, this is okay. This is stupid. And it's a four-star corner that he's uh, abusing, right? Like this is like a college kid playing high school ball. Yeah. And you, you think about it. Like, I think a lot of people might think it's circumstantial and say, well, they're not bought in on a guy like Raiola or they're not bought in on a guy like Julian Sane. No, like we like Raiola a lot. We like Julian Sane a lot. We've had the opportunity to see both those guys that same weekend, right? But out there at elite 11. Yeah. I think this guy's a little bit different um, in a way that I think a lot of people thought Travis Hunter was different, right? Back in 2022, I think there was a little bit of a hesitation there uh, to put Travis Hunter in that spot. Uh, and I think there were probably more question marks around Travis Hunter. We didn't have any verified times on Travis Hunter. The only thing that we had was a subjective part of the process where you see him live. And like you said, you just kind of feel him, right? He had dominated every event he had ever been at. You also love the two-way ability. This is more about Jeremiah Smith really taking the decision out of our hands and us feeling very convicted as a group that this is undoubtedly the best player in the country. No, no doubt about it. Um, and, and the maturity, as you mentioned as well. But Ohio State's not just receivers. I mean, like they're, they're receiver you right now for sure, but they're also really killing it on the defensive line. Justin Scott. Edric Houston, they they got some dudes coming in that like they're, they're going to lose JTT, they're going to lose Sawyer. Let, let's talk a little bit about these impact defensive linemen Ohio State has coming in. It's pretty interesting because Larry Johnson was always still to this day still known for his ability to develop pass rushers. You think about the Bosa brothers, you think about Chase Young, some of the other guys that they've had, and then you kind of look at it recently. He's kind of flipped the script, right? Ohio State is kind of beefed up in terms of their interior body. Justin Scott to me. We'll talk about the player here in a second, but it, Justin Scott to me feels like a huge win for Ohio State for a lot of reasons. I, I felt last year they weren't fully up to speed when it came to NIL. Justin Scott, a lot of opportunities. Notre Dame was in there. They're not known for uh, their their NIL aggression, I would say, but Miami was in there, right? And I think was a fixture in that recruitment. Ohio State got this one done. And to me, this is the way of college football. I think he's a beautiful fit in Columbus, but I think out of that footprint, that region, out of the state of Illinois, those are the guys that you need to win. It's almost kind of the same on the West Coast. Like when you have that opportunity, you got to find a way to keep those guys home, right? So I love the Justin Scott addition. He's a young guy. He used to play soccer. He's a two-way uh, player as well. I actually thought that he has more upside on the offensive side of the ball, but it's one of those guys you take, you figure it out. You're not really worried 
uh, about what side of the ball he's going to play as long as he's suiting up for your team. So he's a little bit different of an athlete. The other guy that has continued to make strides and I thought was going to be a guy maybe that we moved on from in the top 32. But like I said, another guy played so well, it was kind of hard to boot him out of there. Edric Houston uh, played really good football at Buford. He's grown quick twitch, explosive, can play him multiple spots on the defensive line. You think about putting those guys together on the interior for Ohio State kind of makes them different, right? So I like the way Ohio State is kind of building inside out. Then you think about Larry Johnson. I don't think Larry Johnson is ever going to have an issue kind of getting the pick of the litter when it comes to the pass rushers either. So they've done a good job, been a huge fan of Ohio State. I think Larry Johnson, arguably, if not the best defensive line coach in the country, um, but they work at it, man. I mean, these aren't recruitments that are layups either, right? Uh, but Ohio State, when I was at Michigan, they were the biggest nuisance, especially when it came to defensive linemen. There were a lot of guys that I think we thought we had a good shot at, Tyler Friday being one uh, out of all the names I, I bring up, Tyler Friday. But Zach Harrison was another one we felt good at at Michigan. And Larry Johnson, man, he just tough to go head-to-head with. Those guys do a good job. And the good thing, you got to give a lot of credit to Ohio State. I think they have adjusted. Like, really good programs do this. They kind of look, feel out the rest of the marketplace. They kind of see where they fit in. And then they apply what they have learned over the last one or two years since the NIL era really started. And I think Ohio State is starting to find their place, sitting there at what, number two or number three in the country in terms of the 24-7 sports composite team ranking. So applaud Ryan Day, applaud all those guys in that building. I mean, that, that leadership knows what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint. I think a lot of people... They're numb to it. They're numb to that Ohio State success. It's hard to go year in and year out and just live in the top five. So, you know, a lot of people say it recruits itself. It does not. So, um, you know, a lot of credit to them, man. They're one of my favorite teams in the country to follow just because of the job that they do on the trail. Okay, I think Ohio State recruits itself to like a bare minimum top 15 level, right? Almost any coach in the qualified coach in the country that would actually get hired at Ohio State would keep them in the top 15 maybe top 12. There's no program that re- that recruits itself into the top five. Like you, you're exactly right. Like there's sort of a minimum floor just with program resources and whatnot, but nobody's floor is top five. Like you, you, nobody, nobody's getting top five without really doing a nice job in recruiting and working at it. But I mean, if you give everybody the truth serum, the only teams that probably wouldn't trade their class for this class, Georgia, obviously who we talked about in that first week episode and probably Florida, because of the upside of Lagway and other than that, like this is a really, really nice class. Oh, they've got a they got a, a quarterback who's just outside the top fifty, and they have another five star receiver in Graham too. So uh, probably can't double. I mean, you probably will have to double Smith, but uh, Graham's going to see a little bit of single coverage there in, in Columbus. That's uh... he's like the least <laughs> talked about. Um, he, he's probably the least talked about receiver, I would say, uh, among the five stars. And he's just kind of a guy that I think really fits. You can play him inside out, super smooth, got a dynamic basketball background as well. Him and Mike Matthews are guys that I think, you know, we kind of had our eyes on. You know, like it, when when you really come to the first time you, you have to put the five-star label on players or some guys that you're like, okay, I see it, but they have to grow into it. Mylon Graham has done that. Love Mylon Graham. Inside, outside versatility. I think they can kind of get creative with him a little bit. Jeremiah Smith. That's the other thing is all these guys that they recruit at the receiver position, they're super versatile. They can do a lot of different things, right? So in terms of, you know, uh, how Ohio State wants to crash, uh, excuse me, craft their passing attack, I mean, it's really up to Ryan Day, Brian Hartline's imagination. 
because these guys fit in so many different spots, but they also complement each other as well. So Mylon Graham's a dude. You talked about Aaron Nolan a little bit. He's a different type of quarterback than what they have. You know, you think about Ohio State and you think about McCord and then you think about Devin Brown and, and Lincoln Kineholes, who, you know, I'm super intrigued with Lincoln Kineholes, what he's going to be like, a, a very dynamic athlete out of South Dakota. Curious to see his development. And then you got Aaron Nolan, who's just Mr. Steady, a winner, very competitive, excellent intangibles, but he plays within the system. And I think when you're at Ohio State and you have the tools that they have, like I, I talk about it all the time, what is the environment for the quarterback to succeed? Play callers, check. Protection, playmakers, check. You talk about the right environment for a quarterback to succeed. Ohio State is that environment. So Aaron Oland, you know, he might not have uh, the upside, physical upside of some of the, the other guys in that quarterback room in Columbus. But in terms of fit, I love it. And I think that's going to be a really hard dude to keep off the field. Travis in the chat says, uh, is Jeremiah similar to A.J. Brown? Yeah, A.J. Brown in is, um, yeah, in some ways, yes. Um, you know, A.J. Brown is, you got to be careful with those when you're pro receivers. And I'm not talking, about, I mean, I just came on yeah. here and talked about Jeremiah Smith being different and being a unicorn, and he certainly is. Yeah, it's it's been hard to find one guy that you're just like, yeah, that's that's kind of it because he possesses all those. I think AJ Brown's what six six one hovering around there, two hundred and twenty five pounds, plays a yeah. lot bigger than he actually is. Excellent run after catch. He can do a little bit of everything as well. That's probably a safe one. I always always try to be a little bit conservative with those player comps, but. Yeah, Jeremiah Smith. I mean, just use your imagination, right? A little bit of everything. Whoever your favorite receiver is, he's got all of that DNA. I, I do think some of the things, style, not not talent and, and success, because it, you're crazy to comp these guys like this is definitely this this type of dude. AJ, I think like AJ's a little more like violent and physical, I think, but he also tracked the ball extremely well. Like AJ Brown was a pretty good baseball player, you know. I, I and also shout out if he's watching. Almost certainly he's not watching, but if he is watching, AJ Brown's dad is freaking hilarious. Like we 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 we, we, we always hop the bus to the opening together, and like that that guy had me rolling every single day to the opening. So uh, shout out, Mr. Brown. Um, in terms of like the feel for breaking down and getting across field and some of the in breaking routes, I do think there's some Julio style. I don't want to say he's going to be Julio. Julio's a Hall of Famer, but I think there's some Julio style. In, in Jeremiah's game there. Like the big guys who are that tall don't get out of their breaks that well and, and then redirect. And he does that pretty well. I don't I don't shy away from that one. You know, like last year we talked about Hakeem Williams. You talk about like that's the guy that I kind of comp to Julio. That one was kind of far out. Like, hey, this guy's a specimen. I think if he ever gets there, I think that Julio Jones and, you know, you talk about A.J. Brown a little bit as well. But I think Julio is probably a closer comp to a guy like Jeremiah Smith. Julio was one of those guys that still had to develop when he got to Alabama. He was just so yeah. much of a freak. You couldn't keep him off the field early as well. So they were smart about finding ways to get him touches. That's kind of the same thing I see with Ohio State. It's like, okay, whatever limitation you think that he might have, whether it's, hey, he needs more time to, to feel comfortable within the system, you got to find a way to get that guy maybe three or four touches, kind of manufacture uh, different ways to get him the football. I talked about the run after catch. I think that's one thing that we often overlook because he's such a physical specimen 
with the capability to dominate on the perimeter. But I also think he's very special uh, at the point of attack and his ability to kind of make plays as a runner as well. So, um, like I said, multidimensional can beat you every different way. I think the other thing that kind of differentiates him from uh, the other guys in the class is he's a three-level guy, right? Everything that you're looking for in the route tree. I think you think about Ohio State system, what they do, a lot of uh, shallow unders, deep overs, right? That's a guy that I think they're going to be able to kind of scheme up, get open. So, yeah, everything about him is honestly, it's kind of kind of perfect. No doubt about it. What <laughs> was it that were you at Bama in 2010 when they it was the Bama LSU game in Tuscaloosa? They 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 thrown the little bubble screen and LSU was defending them really well all day, and then he just really jukes two guys and goes 70, and it was sort of called game there. Was that uh, or was it 09? Yes, yeah, I think it was 09 because I'm thinking okay. Patrick Peterson. I don't know, I might be wrong, but I remember those two squaring up with each other once or twice, and I think Pat Pete was probably a junior at that point. I think Julio is a freshman, but late in the game, yes. I think it was like a jailbreak screen, not even a bubble or yeah. anything like that. Just housed it. Yeah, he's, was... a, he's a stud. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll transition here, but stay in the Big Ten to a new Big Ten team. And look, Oregon is a good recruiting program. There's no doubt. Uh, but and they've had some elite recruiters there before. Obviously, you know Mario did a great job recruiting there. Am I crazy, or does this just feel different? I mean, Oregon sitting there at number six in the country, uh, they're to me, it kind of feels like they're putting the Big Ten on notice, man. Yeah, I don't even think it's a Big Ten thing. I think it's a everybody thing. I think they're putting everybody on notice, you know, and I think Dan Lanning is, you know, you want to know the difference between him and Mario at Oregon. You know, I was at Oregon 2021. I think we had the top 10 class. I think that's the last time that they did it was they were number six. But I think about like the level of focus and the level of attention to detail and just the wherewithal within the game. It's the game within the game, right? Like we talk about, I don't want to say hoarding big bodies, but being super intentional with the type of players that you're going to take. They've done an unbelievable job in terms of finding ways to acquire top end talent, not only through high school, but through the transfer portal as well. And then the other thing that they're doing is a lot of these young guys aren't playing on the defensive line and they were in a good spot. Um, they're going to lose some big, some big bodies, Casey Rogers, Taki Taimani, Keon Ware Hudson, um, missing another one there. But um, 
it's allowed a lot of these young guys. Yeah, doorless. It's allowed a lot of these young guys to sit and develop. And I kind of like some of the things that they did in the 2023 uh, 2023 class. Excuse me. I mean, you talk about like Amari Washington. You talk about some of the other guys that they have. Mateo Uangalale, Blake Purchase, both top 247 guys. Johnny Bowens was a guy, super versatile. They get out of Judson in Texas. Terrence Green, 6'5", 265 pounds, just a puppy. It's going to continue to grow. Tatum Tuioti, a guy that's played well, that they get out of the state of Oregon. Ashton Porter out of Texas. They flip from Northwestern. Mari Washington, I talked about from Arizona. Sometimes it's as simple as just being committed to the height, weight, speed philosophy. But it's also not just saying blindly, we're going to take the guys with traits. These are all good football players with redeeming qualities. They have been married to that approach, which separates teams, in my opinion, the cream of the crop from everybody else, is being able to sustain that intention year over year over year over year. There's a lot of teams that they'll do it for one or two years, right? And so, oh, we got a nice offensive line class. Oh, we got a nice defensive line class. You want to know how to separate from the rest of the pack. You do it year in and year out. That's what makes you different. Talk about that depth, right? And I think Oregon and Dan Lanning, that's just how he's built. You know, he came up through Kirby Smart. His intention, his focus is going to be on the front seven, team speed. They've done a good job in the defensive backfield as well. They've been, I mean, think about them on offensive line, right? I mean, you got Josh Connerly in his second year starting at tackle. And then across from him, a Johnny Cornelius, who they get from Rhode Island. They've just been, I don't know, super uh, accessible to every possible advantage. They're smart. Uh, they're efficient. Um, and every take that they have, you look at it and you say, yeah, that makes sense. I, I understand what they're doing. They're not irrational. They're not impulsive. Everything is thought through. Um, and yeah, man, quite honestly, I love the way that they go about his business. And, you know, Dan Lanning goes about his business, but how they've recruited, they've just kind of been foaming at the mouth. Um, and I get it. Like UW's beat them the last two years. I think I've had a lot of Washington fans say, you know, what's what's this thing you got for Oregon? It's like, I got I think Kalen DeBoer's a great coach. I think Washington's a really talented team. What I'm seeing is three to four years out, right now that that's where the separation starts to me. Um, and there's some things that you can address in terms on the on the shorthand and when in regards to the transfer portal. Um but I think he's building it organically through high school, supplementing it very opportunistically through the transfer portal. And he's just been uh, very intentional, very smart with the, very smart with everything that they're doing. And yeah, to me, they're like I said, it's not even a I don't look at it as a Big Ten thing anymore. I, I, I kind of look at it as, all right, we're going to a 12 team playoff. These dudes aren't going anywhere. They're not going to be like a every other year type of team. I think they're. We're going to be a fixture kind of in that conversation. We we talked last week when we were doing Big Game Breakdown on Wednesday on, on Cover 3 about signal and reading and, and try to infer some intentionality, right? LSU took four corners from the portal. The fact that all four of those were out, I'm like, look, you don't take four corners from the portal? That's a lot of scholarships to use at one position in one year in a portal unless you really think you got problems in terms of availability of those guys to play this year. And when all four of those dudes were out, I'm like, Bama's going to smoke them. Because there's like that that tells me a lot about what LSU thought about the readiness, not necessarily the talent level, of their backups. I'm going to read into Dan Landing signing that deal at Oregon, right? 
Because Dan Lanning's not an idiot. He knows Nick Saban's not going to coach forever. He knows Texas A&M could open up at some point. Like There are big, big-time jobs that will probably come open in the next couple of years and the deal he signed like has a real buyout. Like I, I expect Dan Lanning to be at Oregon for a while. And so I think the fact that he signed that, I mean, obviously the money is is great in terms of salary and whatnot and, and the guarantees. I, like he, there had to be some guarantee about the level of support he was going to get. Cause like the, they are just so competitive for almost all of these top guys. Like and, and they're you coach there, you 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 ran personnel at Oregon, right? Like, think about this. You there's just not a ton of dudes out there who have great size and can also move. And Oregon is winning, what, like a, a plurality of these battles for these special big men out West? Like, that is really impressive. Yeah, a couple of things. I think Lanning is smart because when you look at the West Coast and you talk about that deal, right? Like, I, I don't think Dan Lanning's going anywhere. Yeah. I think he kind of sees, like, all right, I got USC. Defense is not a priority for him. Let's just call it what it is for Lincoln Riley. I got Washington, who has been a nuisance for me on the field, but in terms of recruiting, we'll see how that shakes out over the next three years. I got UCLA, who really likes to dip their toes in the transfer portal. And then I got to dissolve Pac-12 conference. And then I don't have Utah anymore. (laughs) What do do I have to go through? Am I going to go to the SEC? I'm going to go to Texas A&M, and now I got to go through Texas. I got to go through Oklahoma. Both those teams are now in my conference. I got to go through LSU, who's really recruiting that state as well. Or it just seems like right now the West Coast is for the taking. And we talked about this last week on, on our podcast, right, with you, bud. It's like whoever wants it can take it. Dan Lanning is the guy that says, why not us? Why not us in terms of the West Coast runs through us? We are going to be the brand name on the West Coast. And now we're in the Big Ten. And you got guys like Breland. You got guys like Russian. You got guys like Mateo. Ooh. You got all these guys that used to be layups for USC that now say, all right, I want to play a physical brand of football. I want to get developed. I want to play in the Big Ten. And I want to go play for this fire-breathing dragon of a coach and Dan Lanning, who's got that killer mindset. I think anybody who saw that that speech before the Colorado game, you know what he's about, right? Um, he's different. He's a different dude, right? And he's kind of uh, one of those guys that I think when everybody else is zigging on the West Coast, he's zagging. And I think for Phil Knight, the guy that's obviously invested in this in the NIL era, the marriage and the timeliness of Dan Lanning and what he is building um, couldn't come at a better time uh, because now you got a team that is certainly committed on the NIL front and going to be able to throw a lot of resources at it. Um, And you know what? For the first time, I think, in a a while, um, post Chip Kelly, you can kind of smell it like, okay, we're not that far away at all. I can see this team being super competitive in the playoff this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they got what it takes. So they're right there. Um, and I think as they get closer and closer, I think, yeah, you look at somebody like Phil Knight that says, oh, okay, you know, I want to get one of these things before I'm out of here. Um, so 
Yeah, man. I They got the recipe. I also think he is just calling a spade a spade. I think he's taking advantage of some of the flaws of some of the other guys within that conference. Um, and, you know, coaching, what happens on the field, obviously that's one thing. What happens on the recruiting trail, I think that's where he's kind of – he's found a way to separate himself out there. You, look, I, throughout the history of the sport, it's really hard to build a super team if at least one of your geographic rivals is not down, right? You know, Spurrier won his title at Florida. Miami was on probation, okay? You know, Bowden's best team, sort of similar. Like Spurrier had not recruited super well for, for a little bit, that, that, that type of thing. Like Miami, you know, w- w- when they built it in the, the early 2000s, right? Florida State was slipping a little bit and Spurrier was, was off to the NFL. Like you, yes, like we obviously need circumstances to go your way and then you still have to play your cards right and really take advantage and, and be, be all in and be aggressive with it. So speaking of being all in, uh, Andrew in the chat jumped in early, been asking a lot of questions. Do you see the Ducks picking up Seton or EPL? Because Coach Terry really seems to be hitting like heating up here. And if they have McCroy, Crater, I mean, Seton or EPL, or shoot, both would be, I mean, dude, that would be pretty nuts if, if they can if they can pull those guys. Yeah, I think Seton's going to be interesting. You know, you think about like three teams involved there, Colorado, Oregon, Alabama. I think Alabama makes the best sense. I mean, if I'm an IMG guy and I'm looking at proof of concept, I'm I'm going to Alabama. I'm not looking any further. And the the other thing about that, I think JC Latham, who played at IMG, he's probably out of there after this year declaring for the draft, playing right tackle. You got that spot open. Elijah Pritchard's kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. Um, you know, but Seton kind of reminds me a little bit of Tyler Booker coming out. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a tackle, super long-armed. I thought he kind of struggled on the perimeter a little bit, was kind of made for the phone booth. And now he's kind of the linchpin. He kind of makes them go, right, um, on the offensive line, playing inside at left guard. So I like Seton's versatility. I actually think he can play tackle. He's in a fascinating spot because we'll see what happens with Cornelius at Oregon. I think he could play early anywhere he goes. I think any any of those three programs, even Alabama, he could play early. Uh, physically, he's ready. I think Colorado has the biggest need, right? He could step up there and he'd be a, a game changer for uh, prime time if he would be able to to, to haul that one in. Um, Oregon, I, you know, we'll see. Um, it's funny, I had this conversation the other day with my cousin and it's like, let's say money on the table is all equal. What matters, right? And I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think you have to win two recruitments nowadays, but I think you have to win the pre-NIL recruitment. I think you got to win the NIL recruitment. And the NIL recruitment is if the offer doesn't blow you away, then really what it is, it's just your buy-in, right? That's all it is, right? It's your buy-in to say, hey, we want a seat at the table. And if you're looking at these three contenders, now who's got the best pitch? Um, And to me, if one of the offers is not significant enough to blow away the other two, then it comes down to actual traditional recruiting. Um, So I think Alabama will be hard to beat. I know Alabama's probably been on him the longest. I don't know. Something in my gut probably tells me don't discount Oregon, but I think it would come down to those two. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I'm not the, you know, I'm not in that game, but. um, Producer producer Jordan, but producer Jordan is pushing for Tennessee here, man. He's, he's all balls and, and, and is, is going to mute you uh, for, for not. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine too. You know, the thing is, bro, like all those dudes are heavy hitters, 
Um, and what I mean by that, they're all aligned, right? So, um, and they all got something to sell. Um, you know, they all have something to sell. I mean, you got Nico in Tennessee next year after Joe Milton, right? Um, Alabama, you probably got playing time you can offer. Colorado, the same. You can kind of really be the face of that program after Shador Sanders leaves. Um, and, you know, Travis Hunter will be there as well. But you get my point. Uh, he would be the biggest high school victory to date, without a doubt, for for Deion Sanders. Then Oregon is just like, hey, man, kind of you, you fit here. You know what we're trying to build. We're trying to be that team, kind of climb uh, atop the mountaintop out west. I don't know. He's got a lot of options. You know, the other thing for a kid like that, I think about, and it's nothing against Jordan Seaton. The longer this goes, the more options he's going to have. Um, you know, if I was in his corner, just wait it out because we're talking about what 94, 95% of the top 247 is already committed. And you are the one player inside the top 32 at one of the game's most important position where you got some of the biggest money players in the game. They're coming after you. And you're the cherry on top. So I keep waiting, watch that number sign go up and kind of see what happens. Totally agree. Like there's no reason to end this thing right now if you're Jordan Seaton. Play it out. And the offensive tackle is not going to get any less premium as we approach traditional signing day. Or if he wants to enroll early, you know, regular signing day. Or, it's so weird we call it regular signing day now, but it's basically just early signing day is the signing day. And then the, you know, February is sort of the late period there. We're going to hit a break. And then when we come back, we got a few listener questions. Really appreciate Coop hanging with us. Everybody needs to check out the 24-7 Sports College Ball Recruiting Podcast as well. Awesome job. And if you haven't given them that five-star review like I asked you to do last time, hop on over there during the break and go do so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast, Recruiting Stuff You Need to Know edition. All right, so let's take some comments here. Uh, everybody was in the chat pretty early. We got a lot of different chat questions about like, hey, if this staff gets fired, will their class fall apart? Like if, if this staff gets fired, will their class fall apart? I, I wanted to go a little more generic. So I'm going to combine a couple of these. Like, Have you been on a staff that was in jeopardy of, you know, getting fired? And like, if so, like, how was it to try to keep the class together through that? Or if not, like, have you had buddies that have tried to go through that? Yeah, I would say Cincinnati uh, with Tommy Tuberville, Senator Tuberville of Alabama now. Um, yeah, we got we got let go after a four and eight season. That was my second season there. And it was super fascinating because it's funny. You look back at it. New staff comes in and you kind of know the deal. You're part of the support staff and your job is you're really on a job interview for the next, you know, uh, two months or so until signing day back then, which February was kind of more of the traditional signing day back then. But Luke Fickle came in uh, from Ohio State. He brought in Marcus Freeman as well. And those guys were, till this day, uh, two of the most organized minds uh, that I have been around, uh, who for a technical first-time head coach in Luke Fickle, which he wasn't, he had the interim job uh, at Ohio State that one year. Um, man was he prepared so it was it was interesting kind of 
seeing a new process, uh, a new vision, all being implemented in very timely and efficient fashion because it needed to be, right? Um, and these guys were playing catch up. Um, and they were also coming from a different level at Ohio State. The same players that they recruited at Ohio State weren't going to be the same guys uh, that they picked up at Cincinnati, especially since we were in the American at the time. But they did a phenomenal job. And a lot of those guys that they got in that initial class ended up going on and having really good careers. And you talk about Cincinnati, what was it, two years ago, ended up being the, the team with the third most NFL draft picks, yeah. only behind Alabama and LSU. I mean, completely insane. Um, which says a lot about him. The other time was when Coach Pete, uh, Chris Peterson at Washington, when I was there, just retired, uh, completely shocked all of us before signing day. A little bit different. You had some continuity continuity with Jimmy Lake taking over, uh, getting promoted from the defense coordinator spot to the head coaching spot. But Pete was such a powerful presence. I mean, it was, you know, it was, yeah, a lot of the kids, they liked Washington. Um but the major selling point was Chris Peterson and this OKG and this built for life uh, platform that he had built. And he had done such an incredible job cultivating the culture. And you knew what you were getting, not only from a player development standpoint, but from, you know, you, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, it's not about those four years, it's about the next 40. What does that look like? So in terms of selling that, it was a lot. Um, those conversations were a little bit easier, but it's a lot, man. Um, and honestly, it puts a lot more on the position coach. You can tell when that alarm sounds and there's sudden change, who's been doing their job and who hadn't been doing their job. Who's been, who's been reading the tabloids wondering about whether or not they're going to get fired or who's been actually having the conversations that matter with the kids, with the parents, with the handlers, with the coaches and saying, Hey, listen, there's a chance this might happen. Here's what's going to happen. If you feel like you need to take other visits, it is what it is. We understand that. But listen, we got a plan in place. So um, it's a fascinating time for sure, uh, because one, like I said, you're auditioning for your job or two, there might be some uncertainty about your future uh, going forward regardless. So there's it's it's a little bit um, you're doing your job, but it's a little bit personal at the same time. Right. Everybody's kind of fighting for more air and, and fighting and jockeying for position at the same time, too. And obviously, like, you kind of also have to look out for your family and be like, okay, like, if, if we do get let go, who might have an opening for me? Do I know? Like, it, you know, am I talking to my agent? I, sort of a related question here, Coop, for, also from the chat. Like, if you're a team that that's, has a good recruiting class you're putting together and you start losing ball games and, and start the, the chatter, you know, starts, starts swirling around, are you talking to these guys every week about, hey, like, yeah, we lost, we're staying the course? Everybody's lost a ball game before, right? Like it, it, I feel like the recruits don't flip out quite like the fans do. But if the if the losses mount, what kind of damage control are are you doing as a coach to explain to them maybe why it's happening? You know, why 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 you need them very desperately to come to your program? Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so much that you can do. I mean, it's about controlling what you can control. Um, whether or not the powers that be decide to make a decision to move on, or somebody decides to to retire suddenly, or whatever whatever it is. I think it's all about just being extremely self-aware. And I think the other thing is these coaches, and I'm not putting it on like these coaches, a lot of coaches, they don't give these kids and they don't give these parents enough credit uh, in terms of they're, they're in the know. They know the deal, right? Like if, if you're committed to Texas A&M or you're committed to Baylor right now or one of, one of the schools that we talked about, they, they know the deal. They're, they're watching it, right? But they might be 
committed. They might have the relationship with a position coach or a coordinator or a head coach that says, you know what, I'm going to see this through. It just depends. Right. So uh, and, and there might be some other guys that see the writing on the wall and say, you know what, not really comfortable with that situation. We're going to make a change right now rather than me waiting until December up to December 20th. And I don't have a spot where I want to go. Uh, so I think that depends. I think it depends on the confidence level the prospect has in the program. I think it depends when a prospect committed. A lot of times players commit and they're not really fully committed. They just, you know, they commit whatever. I mean, we're talking about 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And they say, yeah, I'll take my spot and we'll kind of, kind of see how this goes. Right. So um, yeah, I think it's about being self-aware, understanding the player, understanding their background, understanding the guys that are going to need to hear from you uh, two or three times a week, or maybe even every day. Right. There's some players, some parents that just need the maintenance. Um, And the other thing is that like time spent value received. Sometimes you might think like, you know what, man, if I'm going to have to talk to you every day for an hour, you're not worth my time. Go play somewhere else. Honestly, you're not good enough, right? So it's a it's a talent balance, all that type of stuff uh, in terms of how much time you're going to invest in that player and their family, whatever it is. So um, everybody who's been in football, I, I would say the majority of people, they've been fired. It gets to the point where it's just, it's part of your game. You kind of understand how to start operating under that cloud a little bit. Um, and you do the best that you can. And if you're afforded a new life, you don't take it for granted and uh, keep pushing. Coop, really enjoyed it, man. I'll, hopefully I can see you guys next week. Everybody in the chat, make sure you thumbs up the video. Also, make sure you check out the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, man. Had fun. Thank you, brother. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, be well.